You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What is going on, everybody? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. This is the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast. Coop, we are back. We we had a quite a little bit of a hiatus. We we came back briefly right before the NFL draft. Uh, and then since the NFL draft, uh, we've basically been in the lab, right? You've been busting out thousands of articles, basically, pertaining to player profiles and best ball strategy articles. You've been doing the lightning round podcast. You've been covering the NFL draft for us with the draft tracker. Like, you've been immersed in fantasy football content. And I felt like now, as we're coming into the month of June that a lot more focus is coming in on fantasy football. Dynasty League certainly aren't in, in happening, but the underdog fantasy released their best ball mania tournament already. DraftKings has released their big best ball uh, contest out there as well. No better time to really start taking a look at some of these players, getting everybody ready for their best ball drafts, looking at some ADPs. And I figured we should get on the pod and start breaking all this down. Yeah, I mean, that's the way I look at it too. So for me, the off season, is a time to sit down and really reset everything, reset your knowledge base. That's why I like to get into free agency, look at who's staying and what they need to add. You get into the draft, do the same thing, and you really figure out how these teams are building what they want to do, moving towards their goal, whether that's to tank, whether that's to go for it, and it, and get that understanding. That's the time of year for deep dives, for articles, for maybe quick videos for news, but that's where we're really kind of building a base for now and then now is best ball season we get into the scott fishbowl we get into redraft like when we really gear up to win and now is the time for podcasts now is the time where we've built everything the dust has settled on the draft on free agency and now we can put together an hour where we can give you meaningful content that's going to still be meaningful come august because anything before the draft during free agency you start putting an hour's worth of a football talk out there and then the next week it's meaningless. So now's the time to really get into it. And what better way to start than to get into some actual ADPs? Because during this time, we've been doing, like you said, the underdog best balls, all these different leagues where the actual ADP you see mirrors what you're going to see later on. Obviously, it's going to change, but we're getting a real idea of what guys like. Yeah, exactly. And the best part about how best ball sort of now at the forefront is we've talked a lot about how in the past, we were always doing a ton of mock drafts. We had the mock draft army here at Fantasy Alarm and we would get everybody together. We'd run through mock drafts to really give you that, that real draft-like experience to help you prepare before your redraft fantasy football leagues. Best ball has sort of taken the place of that. There's obviously a, a little bit of a variation in strategy when it comes to best ball versus your standard redraft league. But it gives you that real draft feeling where people are taking it seriously. It gives you a good idea of where guys are generally going to be going in drafts. And it's just, again, overall great opportunity to get into some fantasy football early on. And, of course, we talk all the time. The great thing about best ball is that there's no in-season management. It gives you sort of that instant gratification of drafting now, getting your team set, and then you just sort of check in on it, right? You don't have to worry about trades, waivers, injuries, if they happen, there's no roster moves to be made, and you just kind of prepare yourself and watch things go. Exactly, and that's the thing about the mocks is that if you do a mock with random people, you you always risk having that one dude that wait in round three takes Tim Tebow and goes dur her her and just ruins the whole thing. And then Broncos. Exactly, and then the flip side when we say hey let's get a serious mock together and we reach out and it's all fantasy alarm members 
now you just have this an echo chamber to a certain degree because we all kind of have a similar mindset. We play the game the right way. And you might not be able to get a good look at what your hometown league is going to be like. But if I draft with you and Howard and, and Ronis, that's a sharp draft. And I'm not getting a good look at what ADP is going to be like. So when you take best ball and everybody's got five bucks on it or 10 bucks or whatever it is, they're not going to be messing around because there's money on it now. But you also get a wide spectrum of, of fantasy gamers. You're probably going to get a couple sharp players. You might get a couple goofballs too, but most leagues you're in have a couple goofballs in it. So it's kind of the perfect way to get a look at what's going on. That's why I've already done a bunch of them and I'm ready to, to get going on these. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to be looking at today, we're going to be looking at the running back position, obviously one of the more important positions in fantasy, but also I think over the last handful of years, the strategy around the running back position has been maybe one of the most debated when it comes to how you should go about drafting the running back position. So today we're going to be talking running backs, so we're going to be covering all of the positional ADPs over the next handful of weeks here, getting everybody ready as we go further into the offseason, approach quickly, quickly approach the actual start of redraft season. We're going to have the NFL draft guide out for everybody, I believe sometime in mid-June or early July, I think is what we're looking for there. We're already setting out the, uh, the content plan for there. You're going to hear a lot more of that from all of us, myself. Howard Bender, Coop, Ronis, Colby Conway, James Ronde, we're all in there in the lab getting content out ready for you guys. We're going to kick it off with the running back position for today. And like I said, we have the ADPs in front of us. Uh, you had your running back bus, underdog running back bus article go out on Monday. to Kind of get some get some feelers there on, on your feelings on some guys that you're, maybe you're not as hot based off ADP. We'll get to those players as we run down the list. But Coop, I want to talk to you about what our guys are projected to go in the first round at the running back position currently based off ADP right now. At the top, you have Jonathan Taylor, consensus number one pick. I don't think there's any controversy really going on there. But really, the next couple backs, I think, is where a lot of the questions are. You have Christian McCaffrey going off as RB2 right now. His injury history the last couple years has some people, I think, certainly a bit concerned. Derek Henry, Mr. Workload himself, last year broke down, had the injury, uh, was having a phenomenal season before that. He's currently at RB3. And then you have Austin Eckler, a guy who I think maybe surprised some, not our own Howard Bender or Adam ranked number two overall in PPR last year, but you have to wonder about his ability to hold up uh, over the course of a full season as well. What are your thoughts on that, on that top four running back? Yeah. So for me, and we're talking in the context of underdog here, if you aren't on underdog yet, make sure you pop over, use promo code alarm and they'll match up to a hundred bucks in uh, bonus credits. That's the best deal out there right now. And I think this is the best platform out there, both for these tournaments. They have the big tournaments, they have the regular 12 team leagues. And I think you get a really good look at it. And I personally just like the platform. It's, it's easy to use. It's easy to track. It gives you notifications. So on these four guys on underdog, it's a half point PPR format, right? So for me, I'm taking Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey as the first two players off the board. Christian McCaffrey, I'm not as concerned as the injury as other people are. First of all, this is a spike week format. You need guys that have crazy upside, right? And also you don't have to set your lineup. So it's, you get those good weeks. You don't have to worry about the bad weeks. And in terms of injury last year, he went back in the game after he rolled his ankle against the Dolphins. I think a lot of people forget that he came back into the game after tried to play. Then it turned out that they were like, okay, you know what? He's a little banged up. They had lost seven of their last nine games at that point, right? This team was atrocious. Had he not gone on IR earlier in the year, because once you go on second IR, you're done for the season. Had he not gone on IR earlier in the year or had the team been better, 
there's a chance that maybe they just hold them out for a couple games and then they keep trying to win. But in a situation like this where they're pretty much done, they know it, they just shut them down for the season. I don't think this injury is as bad as people say. And if he's healthy in August, I'm not going to start playing Dr. Fortune Teller trying to guess who's going to get hurt. I mean, there were only five or six guys that played every single game last year, starting running backs. And we're talking Zeke was one. He had a torn PCL. A couple of the others were guys like Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis, who by the end of the year, they kind of weren't even starting. So for me, I'm taking these two high upside guys. And then after that, because of the format, I'm probably taking wide receivers before I take guys like Derrick Henry, who is more of a standard player, or Austin Eckler, who is more of a PPR player. I still am interested in those guys, but after Taylor and McCaffrey, I'm actually kind of leaning into guys like Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase before I go to that next tier of backs. I don't know about you, John. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you there at all. Obviously, this is all dependent on where you're drafting, but if you're up there, I, I do like the idea of taking CMC. I've seen some of his redraft ADP is having him go in the second half of the first round. I was like, you know, what are people worried about here? I understand that last year he got injured and the year before that he got injured. But these aren't like consistent sort of chronic injuries like you see with a Will Fuller or something like that. Or fluky plays, pulled his hamstring, rolled an ankle. He had what, the foot injury, I think it was, the year before that. But when he was healthy and on the field, the man was one of the best running backs in fantasy. He, when he came back against you know Arizona and Washington in weeks 10 and 11, he was one of the best top running backs in football, and he wasn't even really scoring touchdowns because Cam Newton was scared, scoring mm-hmm. all the touchdowns there. I'm with you there. Give, give me some CMC and, and Taylor at the top. How dare you call, not call Derrick Henry a PPR back after he was on pace <laughs> to catch like 50 footballs last year you know, before he went down? I think we got to give him a little bit more, maybe a little bit more consideration because he did in fact show that he could catch the football and they weren't afraid to throw him the football either. Obviously it's hard to just go ahead and be like, he's going to do that again. But you know what? He was certainly a guy that was showing some ability there. I wouldn't say 50 as much as I would say 30 or 40. I mean, we'll we'll extrapolate. Maybe I'll round up a little bit higher than you will. I I will say this though, to to your point, the most he in five seasons, the most receptions he's ever had in the full season was 19. And he had 18 last year in half a season. So he was on pace for 36, 40. It's just the guys that look at Austin Eckler. That dude's caught yeah. 100 passes. He's caught 97 another year. It's like these guys. To, let's say this. Let's say this. He's a half PPR back. Half PPR back. If you want to break out his numbers over on the old football reference, he's on pace for 44 catches. Uh, well, we'll see. You never know. Next tier, I guess, if you want to talk about a guy that was all volume last year with no offensive line, Najee Harris. What are your thoughts on Najee this year? Do we think that Pittsburgh is going to, you know, making some improvements on their offensive line, but you, you know, you worry about the quarterback uh, situation. But this is a guy that great in PPR, great carrying the football as well. Yeah. So I'll actually take Najee Harris here because. We're looking at the ADP, and I'll say that this whole next group of one, two, three, four backs, I don't mind any of them at the end of the first round, and one of them is going in the second round pretty clearly. So after Eckler, it goes Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon. All those guys are going in the first round, and I'll even put DeAndre Swift in there. And last year, I was a guy saying, pump the brakes under DeAndre Swift. Let's hold on here. This is a team that's tanking. This is a team that brought in Jamal Williams. They're probably going to go easy with DeAndre Swift because they know they're not winning and the teams are getting smarter. They'll play for the future. Well, I kind of fell for the, what they call it, the fallacy of rational coaching there because they leaned on Swift and they leaned on him so hard he got hurt. But the reality is, 
I don't care if the team is doing what's right for the long term. I care about teams doing what helps us in fantasy football. So if they're going to lean on DeAndre Swift and throw him the ball like that, then I'm in on Swift. So I'm willing to take Najee, Dalvin, Mixon, or Swift anywhere at the back half of the first or early swing. Like you're not going to get, if I have the last pick of the first round, two of those guys or more have to be there for them to get past me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not letting Swift get past me. So even though his ADP here is 17, I'm all for taking him anywhere in the second or even in the back half of the first. Yeah. If, so if you're ranking those guys for me, right? This is best ball we're talking. So you're definitely looking for those boom weeks. Would you have Swift ahead of Joe Mixon here? If you're, if you were doing your own personal. No. So I actually have, would have Joe, if I'm doing my own rankings, I have Joe Mixon ahead of Najee Harris okay. and Dalvin Cook. So after Eckler Mixon's the guy I like next, I mean, we just saw him have the full role, put in the work. He was RB3 last year. And later on, I'll talk about the guy who finished second in Best Ball Mania and his team. And he had Joe Mixon on there. But we'll get to that that build a little later on because it's a more relevant player to, to have that conversation. But I look at Mixon. At, like This is a, a little thought process that you and I have been doing for a little while now where we do the running back questionnaire. And we say, who does what? Who gets first down? Who gets pass downs? Who's the goal line? And... Mixon kind of became that guy that gets all of that. And you want to look at a guy and imagine the coaches are just absolutely terrified to have the wrong back in there. And last year, I think that fear really got into Zach Taylor when he left Samaj P. Ryan in there in the Super Bowl and he didn't get the first right. and then he didn't catch the pass. And now I think when you look at a guy like Joe Mixon, the coach and, and everyone there should be terrified that the other options are subpar in high leverage situations. I think Mixon's that guy now. I think he's just in a great spot. The line's better. He's the guy I'm putting at five. And then I still take Najee and Dalvin before Swift. I just, when you look at these guys with ADP of eight, 10, and 11, and Swift is down at 17, I think Swift should be up at 12, right behind those guys. Yeah. I guess for me, when it comes to Joe Mixon, and it, it's kind of odd to say like that he could he may be in for a, a reduced workload, but I guess based off what he did, it's not because I think there's competition for him there, but I feel like we're now a full season basically removed from the injury of Joe Burrow. It felt pretty clear early on in the year that they were kind of easing Burrow into the offense and they were going heavy running, but now they're loaded up again, right? Like they're ready to go. They're improving the offensive line. They have year two chase. They have Higgins there. Like, to me, this feels a breakout season in quotations for a guy that just threw 4,600 yards and 34 touchdowns while completing 70% of his passes. Like, I could see them, and maybe the maybe the offensive system which they have in goes against this a little bit, but I could see them feel, leaning a little bit more on Burrow here if they're able to protect him a little bit more. And therefore, I wonder, is Joe Mixon going to get some of those big games that he had. Now you look at it in the middle of the season, weeks ten and eleven, they had huge leads against the Ra the Ra the Raiders and and Pittsburgh. He carried the ball fifty eight times in those two games because they were so far ahead. They didn't really need to run the football as much. Now I wonder if we see him settling in more into the fifteen carry a game role. If they're going to be looking more at the running at the passing attack than leaning on him to carry the ball eighteen twenty twenty five times. Again, now he only had four games of at least 20 carries, but there was plenty of games or 17, 18, 19 touches that he was getting there. So that's my only take on that is that it feels like Cincinnati is better suited to put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands even more 
this upcoming season and if that's going to impact Mixon a little bit. Now, he only ran for 1,200 yards. That's certainly doable again. But he wasn't like a yardage monster, 4.1 yards per carry, 13 touchdowns. I, I think we certainly think the touchdowns can be there for him. But because they're going to be scoring so many touchdowns, I think we're expecting in this offense. So... Yeah, I don't mind it, but I do wonder if he gets the 290 carries again like this season. Yeah, and I think that goes for this whole group here because that's why Derrick Henry goes ahead because nobody's getting 30 carries except right. Derrick Henry. But with this whole group, you've got issues like that with how good are the Steelers going to be with a the either Trubisky or a rookie quarterback. With So that's a Najee Harris question. Dalvin Cook, now you're seeing a new coach, a Kevin O'Connell that comes over from the Rams who are very pass-heavy. The DeAndre Swift is in a, a Lions team that could be terrible again. So there, there's questions for all these guys, and I absolutely get your concern, and that's I think that's why Mixon isn't in that tier above sure. where if, if he was – if it was a situation where they were clearly going to be a run first team and it was going to be the way it was last year, then I think he'd be going a lot higher. That's why for me, I, I have no problem with him at RB five or six, but he's not in that group ahead. You're right about that. Be and, and those uh, are all valid concerns for that reason. And you had Dalvin cook. Cause I, I do just because uh, Dalvin, like this is best ball, right? So sure. the value for Joe Dalvin cook in real leagues is that you draft Dalvin cook and then you draft Alexander Madison and then you start cook and then you start Madison when he gets hurt. Sure. Well, in, in this you can't be wasting roster spots drafting Madison. I draft Alexander Madison if I don't have Dalvin Cook. But if you do draft Dalvin Cook and you draft Madison, now you're using two picks on one back, and, and it hasn't proven to be a, a strategy that works in this particular format. That's the only difference. Yeah, I think if this is my hometown league and I could confidently get Cook and Madison, then that changes the game a little bit. Next grouping, you mentioned DeAndre Swift. He would be in the second round. Other guys that we see kind of going in that same range as Swift, uh, Alvin Kamara uh, at RB9, Aaron Jones, RB10, Nick Chubb, and then Javante Williams. And we'll cut it off there for Javante Williams because he was in your best ball, underdog best ball bus article. I think it had likely to do with his ADP. I'll also say, based off ADP, this is one of the first times it feels like where We've seen an RB10, RB11, RB12 kind of going in the, the middle of the late second round. In the last couple of seasons, like the first 12 of 15 picks or whatever, we're all running backs. Now you're seeing these top 10 running backs go leak into the, the late second there. Thoughts on that next tier? Kamara, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, and Javante. Yeah, so I think this is actually, per it kind of, it splits things up perfectly that Kamara is a guy that I can't draft right now. And we get into this topic in my other article I wrote, which was drafting early versus drafting late, in that we have no idea whether this guy is going to get suspended or not. But the way the league looks nowadays at assault and the way society in general looks at assault is not great. Like th this situation for Kamara is that he could get upwards of six to eight games, in which case his ADP right now at nine is way overdrafted. And you're probably going to lose a lot of those leagues where you draft him as your RB1 or RB2. So Kamara is kind of on his own island right now. It's hard to speculate on that without knowing, so we just kind of have to leave him. And then you get in, but he's he, it's interesting how he becomes the cutoff point from these guys that we think are every down guys to these next three guys, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, and Javante Williams, where we're all predicting that they're going to have a split of some. So the reality of me putting Javante Williams in the article as a fade is based on the split we saw with him and Melvin Gordon, which it was right down the middle. The fact that Melvin Gordon is available at RB 36, which makes him a value now. But for me, all three of those guys in best ball really fit that bill where I'm not going to spend up for a guy that I know is likely to split 
just because of the nature of this format where we need spike weeks, we need huge outputs on a weekly basis to really crack the lineup and blow up the numbers. And the problem with splits is that you never are going to have a Derrick Henry pour it on week when the Titans are running all over the Jets. Derrick Henry gets 33 carries for 160 yards and two touchdowns or whatever. When the Broncos are pouring it on the Jets, you don't give 30 carries to Javante Williams and five to Melvin Gordon. You give 20 to Javante and 15 to Melvin. So you don't get those pour it on, we'll blow them up weeks out of these guys. And that's the problem for me is that you're kind of banking on an injury to get to for to become a Jonathan Taylor type guy. So I, I think you like when you cut it off here, whether intentionally or not, is the perfect way to cut off this group of guys because they're all very similar in that fashion. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that we'll see... The Aaron Jones thing is interesting to me because, and, and we'll cherry pick the one game sample size from last year when Devontae Adams wasn't available against Arizona. And you look at the, the receiving group that's still there in Green Bay, even with Christian Watkins being added there. Aaron Jones in that game had a love. And while A.J. Dallin had 16 carries or 78, Jones had 15 for 59 and a score. And this is being a half point PPR league. I wonder how much more involved Aaron Jones finds himself involved in the passing offense this year. Because I don't know who's left for Aaron Rodgers to trust in that offense. I don't know if they're going to be able to be playing from ahead or behind in these games. And if they're playing from behind in these games, then I don't think Dylan's going to be the guy that's on the field for that. And it still feels like Aaron Jones is the lead running back in that in that offense. As much as we all lo- would love for A.J. Dillon to finally take that step forward, because I think the dude has what it takes to be a legitimate running back in the NFL. I mean, last year, by all accounts, a fantastic year two, 803 yards rushing, five touchdowns out of him, over four yards, a carry. Also had the receptions as well, almost proving the ability to be a three-down back for them. It still, to me, feels like Jones has that boom potential that we talk about in, in best ball comparatively to those other guys. I think I'd probably take Chubb over the other as my top guy in this group. But I like Jones a lot here. Again, just kind of thinking how that offense may play. Everything you just said is the reason that Javante Williams was picked as the fade for me out of this group, because like Aaron Jones, he plays with the back-to-back MVP and he had a stretch of 30 touchdowns in 30 games. And now there's more targets. And Nick Chubb, we know that Nick Chubb, he leads the league every year in breakaway runs. And they lean into him more. We know the split isn't even between him and Kareem Hunt. He gets the better of the split. Better quarterback so, now, too. I wonder, you know, right. what is how the offense isn't Baker Mayfield anymore, right? So are they going to have more scoring opportunities? Are teams no longer able to stack the box because Watson and Amari Cooper are spreading them out? And now you have Nick Chubb against a softer middle defense because they can't handle what, what the passing attack. Now, that's assuming Deshaun Watson's a quarterback, right? There, we're waiting to find out what's going to happen with his legal situations. There's reports coming out today. Baker Mayfield has no intention of being at OTAs. I don't blame him. The guy should sit on the couch until he's traded to Seattle or wherever he goes. Carolina, I think, are the two teams. But if that offense ends up being a Deshaun Watson-led offense, I, I think Nick Chubb is going to be looking at green lights this whole season because there's just defenses aren't going to be able to go eight in the box and let Watson with single coverage on the outside somewhere pick them apart. Yeah. That, that, that's really, it's the big separator, right? These guys with the elite quarterbacks, I mean, I, Russell's an elite quarterback too. It's just, if you had differing skill sets, like you do with Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon or Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, or like we had with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, that'd be one thing. But the skill set for Javante Williams and Melvin is just so similar right. that the split is just, yeah, they would have to make it like, 
an organizational commitment that Javante Williams, and, but why would Melvin Gordon come back for that? Exactly. They <laughs> had every opportunity to do that. And they decided not to, but that, that, that whole group is very similar to me. And which is interesting that there's another group here where we kind of get back into questions about whether these guys can be the full every down guys that they have a potential to be. So let's look at this next group. Yeah, so we got RB13 right now off the board is Leonard Fournette. Saquon Barkley, another guy that is a hot topic of conversation currently going off. at James Touchdown Connor, RB15, and Cam Akers at RB16 right there, Coop, as our next four backs off the board. Yeah, and I think there's a theme with these guys, which is that of those four guys, only one of them has ever played a full season in this league. As crazy as it sounds, as long as he's been in the league, Leonard Fournette's never played all 16 games or 17 games. James Conner has never either, and uh, just like Dalvin Cook. But Cam Akers has only been in the league for two years, and obviously he's never played a full season because he had the major injury there. Barkley has before, but he also falls in the injury-prone group. So with this group, actually surprisingly most interested in Leonard Fournette. I think that we haven't seen the end of the ADP adjustment for Melvin Gordon being signed and Leonard Fournette going back to the box and them not really doing too much, I think Fournette ends up ahead of Javante Williams. Yeah, I can't draft Javante Williams ahead of Leonard Fournette. It's just in that offense, in that situation, Fournette's always been good. He's been kind of a jerk at times and kind of not a big coaches fan, but when he plays, he's a good player. Same with Saquon Barkley. Maybe they that offense has been pretty bad. The Giants over the last two years, back-to-back seasons – being dead last in offensive touchdowns, that's never going to be a situation that's conducive to running back success. That's the concern with Saquon, right? Beyond the injuries. And then, of course, James Conner with the injuries, K-Makers with the injuries. But these four guys, they all have a chance to be the bell cow main guy, whereas the group above, not so much. That's why I'm more, I, I just, when the board, to me, is when the board says Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Javante Williams, Leonard Fournette, Saquon Barkley, James Conner, Cam Akers. You know what I'm doing? I'm drafting a wide receiver. Right? Yeah, I mean, you're probably drafting a wide receiver there. I, I probably would agree with you. I will say I think Leonard Fournette is in, in a really good situation. As you mentioned, he'd be the guy you'd probably take over those ones above him. For me, for a couple of reasons. Obviously, Ronald Jones is gone, but they didn't bring in a veteran running back to replace Ronald Jones. They drafted a rookie. And last I checked, Tom Brady's still the quarterback in Tampa Bay. And uh, rookie running backs under Tom Brady have almost never had great success early on in their careers. He just doesn't trust them. He basically personally redshirts them. So as good as Rashad White might have been in college, this is going to be a Leonard Fournette, Gio Bernard backfield, in my opinion here, which is going to lead to a lot more Leonard Fournette in this offense. So uh, I'm with you. I'm a big fan of Fournette. We discussed in our last podcast months ago, basically when we were looking at free agency, about my concerns with James Conner and his ability to be the full-time running back the last year in in Car- in Arizona when he was splitting the backfield he yes he was able to take on some of the workload due to the injuries there but you know, this is a guy that he didn't have a great yard per carry percent 3.7 yards per carry He's a guy that broke down when given the full workload in his years with Pittsburgh. I don't know how repeatable 15 touchdowns is going to be for him because he was pretty much strictly given the running of the ball inside the 10 yard line. And he was fresh for a lot of those carries and he wasn't being used as much. So I worry about some regression there when it comes to, to James Conner, but you know, of that grouping, I'm definitely with you. I, I think Fournette stands out to me. I cannot draft Saquon Barkley. 
I don't know what the Giants offense is even going to look like. Never mind trusting Saquon Barkley to be healthy. And then Cam Akers is in a great spot. But again, he didn't look too great last year. When given the opportunity, they still have Henderson there. And then they added Allen Robinson, right? So it's they're still planning to build that offense around Cup, of course, Stafford, Robinson. Akers, to me, just feels like a player in that offense and not a feature in that offense. Yeah, that's why for me, it's like if I can get one of Taylor, CMC, Henry, Eckler, Harris, Cook, Mix, and Swift, I do that. And then with this whole group here, I've, what I like to do is I'll go, I'll pivot and then go for why not draft a CD Lamb or Debo, Mike Evans, T. Higgins, Keenan Allen, like Michael Pittman. These guys are all going in a similar range to a lot of these backs. And if I go and take one of those guys, then I feel better on the next way around when, if the one of those guys is still there. Because now I've kind of said, okay, you know what? I and We kind of do a lot of the psychological stuff to ourselves when we're mm-hmm. drafting. But it just feels good to be like, okay, you know what? I passed up on these guys that I don't really – I went out and got a rock-solid wide receiver. And now that they're still here, now I like it a little better. I've hedged my bets a bit. I've And I, and I let the draft come to me rather than forcing myself to choose one of these players when I don't necessarily know, like, how do I know with two, with three guys, or essentially four guys that are with the injury situations they've had and similar type situations in terms of what the upside is and what the downside is, why force myself to make that decision when I can let others make that decision and then make it for myself? And if I miss on these guys, I'm not super... I'm not super upset about it because of this next group. Of guys. So next group of guys has your favorite Ezekiel Elliott going off at RB 17. We have rookie Brees Hall with the Jets at RB 18, David Montgomery, JK Dobbins coming off injury, Travis ATN coming off injury. And then Antonio Gibson, a guy that everybody was in love with last year, heading into the season then kind of disappointed due to his own problems there with the, the fractured shins that he was playing through. You and I obviously are big Zeke defenders, we're 100% likely going to draft him at his current ADP. I think we're just believers. And, and the one thing that we talk all the time about that people seemingly like to either cherry pick or just ignore, or they're just such big Tony Pollard fans, is the fact that Ezekiel Elliott for the first four weeks of the season was going off as a, a surefire RB1. And then he tears his PCL, injures his knee at something like that. But unlike other running backs who then go on the IR, he played through the injury. So he played through the injury. His rushing totals were not great. But he was a touchdown machine, and he was still relevant in the passing game at times. For me, I'm going to go ahead and assume that he comes into this year healthy. And if that being the case, given that Dallas Cowboys offense with the offensive line that they have there, I'm going to assume he's going to go back to being a top-end uh, producer, and you're getting him at RB17 in the middle rounds of, of drafts right now. Yep, exactly. And earlier when I talked about Joe Mixon, I alluded to this kind of story that I want to get into here and it's and Zeke is a big part of the story. And I might even end up writing an article on this if I can find enough data and information on it. But what I'm seeing is that there are, especially in best ball, there's so much emphasis on spike weeks. And we even say you want upside, you want spike weeks, that a lot of some of these guys go under the radar. And when I look at some of the guys that won last year, it wasn't entirely based on spike weeks. The guy that came in second place only drafted four running backs. He drafted Zeke. Joe Mixon, Trey Sermon, who is basically dust. He was nothing. He only yeah. cracked the guy's lineup two times. Big whoops. And yeah, two, he cracked the lineup two times because of bye weeks. We're talking, he cracked the lineup with four or five points. And then his his fourth running back was Devin Singletary. So he basically had three guys, Mixon, Zeke, 
Singletary. To win Best Ball Mania, you need to make it out of your league, be the best team in your league for the first 14 weeks, and then have a super high score weeks uh, 15, 16, 17. This guy drafted this lineup, and Zeke was in his lineup outside of the one bye week that Zeke had 15 to 17 weeks. He had the floor provided by Zeke and Mixon to make it through the entire season, bing, bang, boom, all the way down with solid weeks, and then... Devin Singletary, of all people, ended up being the guy that provided a couple spike weeks down the stretch where he had six touchdowns in in four weeks. But you don't necessarily have to draft a lineup full of home run hitters like Tony Pollard and Cordell Patterson and all these like high risk, high reward guys. This guy did it last year with three running backs, three of arguably the most boring names you can think of. Zeke, Mixon, Singletary. He won a quarter million dollars. So there's not only one way to do it. And that's why a guy like Zeke is interesting to me. That's why a guy like David Montgomery at this price is interesting. And then you get into the guys that I think are the ones that people should be taking the risks on, J.K. Dobbins and Travis Etienne. J.K. Dobbins has shown that he can have breakaway run rates in the Nick Chubb range. You know, like we're talking like at times 30% of their runs go for 15 or more yards. That's what Dobbins and Chubb did in 2020 and then of course Travis Etienne the ultimate upside of just complete unknown but at a certain ADP I like the complete unknown more than I like the known so I look at Brees Hall J.K. Dobbins Travis Etienne and I'm definitely taking them before the next guy off the board after this group Josh Jacobs who we kind of know that situation there the one I want to ask you about John that I go back and forth on and I'm not quite sure is Antonio Gibson what do we do with this guy I mean I liked what we saw once they got out of their bye week with Antonio Gibson it felt like Washington had an understanding like okay we're not winning football games there's we're not really running this offense I think as efficiently uh, as they could and they came out other bye week against Tampa Bay and from that point on until basically I have to assume he probably kind of just gave out a little bit. They were just committed to running the football. The next four weeks, he had 24, 19, 29, and 23 touches in those games. More importantly, they won all four of those games as well. And I feel you feel like that should be the recipe to their success. Now, I don't really know if they made a, a drastic improvement at quarterback. I know there are certainly some people that like Carson Wentz. You know, Henneke obviously wasn't getting the job done there, but you know, I didn't see anything from Carson Wentz last year to make me think that he's going to be a difference maker in that offense. But I do the fact that we started seeing Gibson a little bit more involved in the passing offense during that time there uh, as well. Again, for me, I think just the injuries eventually caught up to him there. Uh, you saw, obviously, he missed that week against against Philadelphia at the end and then came back in week 18, 21 carries, 146 yards. So I think when healthy, I'm hopeful that they realize, all right, listen, when we made this guy the bell cow, when we gave him the football, we won football games. J.D. McKissick is a nice bit player. He's a guy that can catch football in the backfield. I, I, this was a player that was being drafted as a borderline first-round pick last year because of the excitement. And he disappointed largely due to offensive scheme and injury. If he's healthy going into this year, you're now getting him at such a discount from where he was. I'd be willing to take a flyer on him. That's fine by me. I, I don't mind him. He's not a guy I'm fading by any. Yep. I think that's exactly why he, Gibson needs to be in this tier ahead of this next group because he does have that. Uh, like we talked about it with Javante and Melvin 
Uh, like if you look at Gibson and McKissick, that is kind of the narrative of Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. And we talked about Taylor. We were like a little hesitant on him because he struggled pass blocking and he might lose some of those snaps. Well, he figured that out and he became that, like I said with, with Joe Mixon, the fear. You yeah. don't put Naheem Hines on the field because you have this great fear that you're leaving a much better player off. Well, that's I, yeah. Gibson is your the best running back on your roster. Why are you taking him off the field? for J.D. McKissick. And this isn't even, in my opinion, a difference in pass catch because Gibson was a wide receiver in college, right? <laughs> to me, they're both very capable of catching the football out of the backfield. Maybe having a more experienced quarterback in Wentz could help that offense a little bit more than Haneke being back there, but I'm definitely big on Gibson. My big question mark is ATN because he's drafted by a coach last year that has a you know specific role in mind for him. That coach gets fired. He missed the entire season. Now he's coming back from injury. I saw today that he's going to be full go for OTAs, according to Doug Peterson. Peterson obviously liked using a committee of running backs. But what kind of, to me, there's a lot of unknown surrounding ETN where I'm looking in this range. Like, I would rather draft a Dobbins or a Gibson than risk drafting ETN and him just not panning out in this system that they're working on. Yeah, and I think you got to look at what you've got already. I know how you want to construct your RB Correct. room. Like we talked about that other one where he had two safe guys and then he lucked out with Singletary being his spike week guy, which that's just how crazy fantasy is. Nobody had Singletary. Yeah, I mean, he had the nut lineup. He drafted Singletary. He had Amon Ross St. Brown there. Yeah, yeah, he had all the others. Yeah. yeah. But the, so I look at it and I say, okay, if I do come out and I get, if I get Najee Harris and let's say Nick Chubb, now I have a good floor and I might want to go with the crazy Brees Hall or Travis Etienne, who cares if they're bad? Hopefully they're my spike week guy, that situation. If I'm get, coming to this spot and I, I drafted three wide receivers, I can't, tra I can't trust these guys to be in my lineup every week. So I'm going with David Montgomery or I'm going with Zeke. Think about what, you've, what you need to do, which is basically uh, have a few guys that are going to be in your lineup every week and help you win the first 14 weeks and then shoot for the upside guys. So if you're going high risk with, like, say you go Alvin Kamara and then three wide receivers and you get to this point, you're kind of crazy to draft Travis Etienne or Brees Hall who have never played right. in this league. So think about what you're doing, how you're building to the right balance of the floor and upside. I'm there with you on that. But I will say that this whole group, Etienne, Brees Hall included, taking them before this next group with Perhaps one exception. Yeah, maybe we're on the same page with that one exception. I'm just going to skip to him. Miles Sanders continues to just be just wildly disrespected. I, I understand. He's dealt with injuries. He's in an offense that, for whatever reason, just doesn't like to feature him as often as they should. They went and acquired A.J. Brown this offseason. They have a running quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Things that don't really scream. Good news for the running back. But goddamn, five and a half yards per carry last year. He had games where they featured him, 24 carries for 120, 18 for 131. We're sitting there, hey, they figured it out. Give the ball to Miles Sanders, sees what happened. Then he gets her against the Giants, and we don't see him again for the rest of the year. So he's for sure my favorite running back. I was touting him heavily last year when he was going in round four. And now you're getting him all the way down here. And what round, what are we in? Five, six, something like that. Yeah. For me, Miles Sanders is the guy that, that stands out big time of this grouping. But, you know, in this tier that we're looking at right now, just to list off names, Josh Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell, AJ Dillon, then Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards, Cordero Patterson, Kenneth Walker, and Damian Harris. Group. Yeah. So for me, take Miles Sanders, move him right to the top of that group. 
And I'm would seriously consider like Miles Sanders is the reason that I might not draft a, a guy like ETN or Hall, just knowing I have him in my back pocket. But to get to some of these other guys, Josh Jacobs. Let's take the first guy in this tier going at RB23 and the last guy in this tier, Damian Harris, going at RB30, a full 30 picks later. Why am I taking Josh Jacobs at 23 if I can take Damian Harris at RB30? And I don't even really like Damian Harris in this format. Like Josh McDaniels is bringing over the modified Erhart Perkins systems they run in New England. That's a split backfield. Not only was it already set up to be a split backfield with Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake there, but they he brought in Brandon Bolden. He brought in Amir Abdullah. They drafted Zamir White. Like This team is so set up to be the split backfield that McDaniels is familiar with that I can't, for the life of me, figure out why I would take Josh Jacobs that far ahead of Damian Harris when they're both the same type of situation. So I'm just, I'm not doing that. AJ Dillon here, you talked about it with Aaron Jones. Like, why am I taking backup running backs here ahead of Miles Sanders? Then we go down the rest of the list here. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he's got the Ronald Jones issues now. Oral Patterson is, it's kind of interesting, but 32 year old running back, it, it just seems crazy. Kenneth Walker is one I might be able to wrap my head around because this guy looked good on tape. They spent up to get him. I know the offense might not be great, but of this group, besides Miles Sanders, he's one that we don't know. He could potentially have a massive role. It, it's a rookie. It's a rookie dice role. But this, to me, this group here, this is the RB like dead zone this year. And I like Miles Sanders so much better than the rest of these guys. It makes me it makes it hard for me to even discuss them. Yeah. Now I'm I'm 100% with you there. I don't really know what of this group where the upside's going to lie. They all sort of have a, a lot of question marks behind them. I mean, even Sanders does. But if you're looking for guys that I think could certainly outperform their ADPs, Sanders definitely fits that role for me. Just because again, what we've seen, the man averages over five yards a carry for his career. I I know that he's not a great you know pass catcher. Maybe his pass blocking isn't great, so they don't keep him on the field, but. There is no real competition for him, like on that roster. Again, it's still Boston Scott. It's still those guys. I'm hopeful for Miles Sanders. I pulled it up the other day with Miles Sanders. The yards per carry per career. He's been in the league for three years, right? Yeah. The only guys that have gotten over 400 carries. So we're talking at least two years for the most part. I guess Jonathan Taylor almost got 400 in one year here, but that you know that at least means 400 carries means you've been in the league for a couple of years at least. The list goes. It goes Jonathan Taylor. And Nick Chubb at the very top, one and two, 5.3 yards per carry. You would never guess it, but Gus Edwards, oddly, 5.3 yeah. yards. Gus, yeah. The Gus bus, 5.2 yards per carry in there. We'll talk about him later, but he's third on the list. Fourth on the list is Miles Sanders. Fifth on the list is Aaron Jones. We're talking like 5.1 yards per carry for a career is nuts. And he averaged 5.5 last year. In fact, every year he's been in the league, his yards per carry has gone up. Yep. They convinced Jason Kelsey to come back. They convinced these guys to come back. Again, I don't even, for this group of guys, I don't really even, I have a hard time picking who I like second most because he's just a head and shoulders above the rest of these guys. And I'd rather just put Sanders in the group above that we all kind of, we have all those guys in the group above. Zeke, Brees Hall, David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, Travis Etienne, Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders. And then I just throw the rest of these guys from RB 23 to RB 30. I just kind of throw them out. RB 31 to 35 right here. Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt. Interesting here. Devin Singletary, RB 34, 33. James Cook, 
RB34, two Buffalo Bill teammates there. And then Chase Edmonds, now part of what is becoming like the NWO of running backs in, in Miami, where they just keep on adding new members and it gets worse and worse for those of you who are wrestling fans out there. But there's too many running backs now in Miami. They're, they just keep on bringing guys in. I liked Edmonds when he signed there. I like him significantly less because of everything that's uh, kind of happening there. But of these five running backs, is there anybody that you like? I mean, listen, I was a big Devin Singletary guy before the draft. Now, I don't know. I don't know what to expect with James Cook there now. We saw how impactful Singletary was in the second half of last year. Again, I focus on that game against Tampa Bay, where they didn't run the ball a single time in the first half. And then basically from that point on, Singletary began, became like a fantasy-relevant player up and through the playoffs as well. We've talked about it. He won people championships and whatnot. I was all in. I was buying in. I was ready to go. I thought he was a great steal. And then they draft the running back. So thoughts on this, uh, this tier of running backs here as well. You and me were so ready for the Devin Singletary shows on here. I was here. all in. I, I was ready by the jersey, <laughs> and then they drafted a running back. Yeah, dude. Like, talk about a guy with the five, the, the career yards per carry near five. He had a good year, 4.7 yards per carry. He scored, if you include the playoffs, the two playoff games, he scored nine touchdowns over his last six games. Goodness. But James Cook, he's like that prototypical guy that fits into like the Austin Eckler type role where, you know, just under 200 pounds, great pass catcher. Obviously we know his brothers in the league. So kind of puts a damper, makes me not really super excited about either of them. I know that yeah. some people point at James Cook and say, Oh, well, Alvin Kamara, but was behind Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. Things needed to break exactly right for that to happen the way it did. And still that first year, Mark Ingram still ran for 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. So it wasn't like it was Kamara's role right from the jump. As you question a bit, Tony Pollard is one that I put in my article for, we call it bust because we need, need those clicks, but more fades than anything, just because I think there's other backups on this list farther down that have an equally likely chance to hit their handcuff upside or just have better roles in general standalone. So take, if you want handcuff, why are we taking Tony Pollard with Zeke, who seems to play through everything and played with a torque PCL, if we could take Alexander Madison behind Dalvin Cook, who's Dalvin Cook has literally never played a full season, not ever. And when he goes out, they give the full role to Alexander Madison. And then there's these rumors about Cook maybe playing some wide receiver, which means somebody else needs to play running back. If Tony Pollard's RB31 and Madison's RB40 going a full more than 30 picks later, it's the same thing with the Damian Harris and the, the Damian Harris and the Josh Jacobs situation for me. I mean, what are we hoping that Tony Pollard returns another kick for a touchdown? Like the, what, the big difference between these guys is that. So that's why I'm not super excited there. Kareem Hunt is again another one where you got to look at your roster build. If you are just completely going zero RB and you need floor guys, Kareem Hunt is a floor guy. This guy plays. Like we know he's going to get X number of snaps and touches, and he is. If you have only one running back on your roster at this point in the draft kareem hunt can be in your lineup every single week that's this guy but he's he needs an injury to have the league winning upside yeah if you just want the biggest upside it's got to be chase Evans, right like just to go right for the unknown and hope that he's there, the guy so many running backs in miami now like mm -hmm. i mean they have Edmonds, they signed sonny michelle ray and mostert miles gas and salvin ahmed are still there you know that's just the the nfl running backs that are there that's five guys any week any of those guys could be their starting running so yeah. now, injury-wise, does Michelle hold up? Does Mostert hold up? By the end of training camp, half this half this list could be on IL. I mean, and then, sure, the clarity will be there. But 
If you're drafting a best ball lineup right now, are you taking Edmonds where he is going? Or would you take a look at Ray Mostert instead? Who's going yeah. a little bit below him. And he has has that familiarity in this offense with this coach and the system and everything, right? Yeah, and that's why we do this. You know what I mean? Because we've obviously done these drafts and we've had some of these conversations. But now that I look at this list and I look at the tier above this all the way through this tier, Josh Jacobs down through Chase Edmonds, when you're looking at the board, and it's, so it's the complete opposite of earlier where I'm like, oh, yeah, if I'm looking at the board, I'll take a wide receiver. If you're looking at the board and it's that Zeke, ETN, Gibson, Miles Sanders group, and you're concerned that those guys might not come back, you got to pick one of those guys because <laughs> it gets really, this is it's your really, yeah, like you want to. So it, it's kind of the opposite where earlier we say, okay, with this group, you don't want to force it. With the group before this group, you all, you might have to force a pick in there. You might have to just say, you know what? I'm taking J.K. Dobbins because I don't want to have to choose between Devin Singletary and James Cook. And mm-hmm. I don't want to have to be the guy that drafts Kareem Hunt and think back, oh, man, you're like, I could have had. I could have had Brees Hall. What if Brees <laughs> Hall is just awesome? I think for that, th- that whole group there, there's just not some, besides Miles Sanders, there's not really somebody we love. Yeah, I'm with you there. Let's get a, let's get a chunk of these running backs coming up because uh, they're all basically timeshares or backups. Our boy, Melvin Gordon, you and I holding the flag last year for the Melvin Gordon stands. And I think we won that battle. More points per game than Monte Williams, safe man. safe to say we won that battle. Uh, Rashard Penny, again, a guy that you claimed off waivers in week like, 10 last year and he won you a championship basically but again dealing with kenneth walker now kind of maybe potentially splitting some time with him damian pierce rather pierce. With, with with houston is marlon mack gonna be the guy there who's gonna be the lead running back in in, in houston this year or something to to watch Ramondre stevenson had a had a pretty strong rookie season but still behind Damian Harris. You mentioned Alexander Madison, who is a complete waste of a pick unless Dalvin Cook gets injured. Ronald Jones finds himself in Kansas City. Maybe a, an opportunity for him to revive his career with the way CEH is sort of disappointed. And now you have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes with you there. Rashad White, as I mentioned, rookie running back in Tampa Bay, likely not going to do much. Isaiah Spiller, rookie running back behind Eckler. Carter, going to get usurped by Brees Hall. Of this, it basically... RB 36 to 50. Who's the guys that you're keying in here in these later rounds? John, I really, I truly appreciate the effort of you banging out those guys in order ADP. But I think we've now entered the realm of where you take stabs. And ADP kind of goes out the window sure. a bit. We're deep in here. Some of these guys are going 121, 123, 124. That's where Pierce, Stevenson, Madison go. Mm-hmm. And this is now pick territory. You're not, it's not like earlier where if you take Brees Hall over DeAndre Swift, you've made a big mistake that everyone considers to be a drastic mistake because you could have gotten Hall later. Now there's no more I can get him later. Everyone's just picking their guys. So I think we should kind of treat the, the rest of this group moving forward. Just let's pick out a few guys that we like. In, in this range, it's stab town for me. If you want to go, if you really went zero RB and you still need floor, why, why not Melvin Gordon? If you look at Javante Williams at RB11 and Melvin Gordon at RB36, even if Javante finished, if you draft Javante at 11 and he finishes RB 15 and you draft Melvin at 36 and he finishes RB 20. Melvin Gordon was once again, a better pick, even if he didn't finish better. If you need floor from this group, Melvin, I like, and then, I mean, there's a possibility that Ronald Jones is actually just better than Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. I mean, we've seen situations where until you get two guys in the room together, you don't know who's better. That could be one outside of that. I'm taking stab on just Random upside. Rookies offer that, obviously, in a lot of situations. 
Damian Pierce. Why can't he beat out Marlon Mack and Danny Woodhead for Houston? Tyler Algeyer. They already cut Mike Davis. Right. They released him already. They saw uh, Algeyer in rookie camp and said, we don't need this guy anymore. Uh, Cordero Patterson is kind of a gadgety guy. He's 32. He's Damian, Damian Williams is a little bit interesting. Again, just a guy that we've seen at times fill roles and, and be productive both as a guy that can catch the football and run the football he's also in atlanta if they decide to look for a veteran but i i don't mind the i don't mind the rookie there either yeah damian williams is he's just a professional you know what i mean that seems to be the case that teams like him to, they like to bring him in because they know that uh you put the guy in and he can play he can he's understand not gonna kill him in the pinch you know Exactly, exactly. And we've seen him have, I mean, dude, just a year or so ago, he had a 100-yard rush, I remember. It was like a 90-yard touchdown. I mean, it's not outside the realm for him to do a little something. It's just sometimes you just try and catch lightning in a bottle. And a lot of these picks end up being like that. I know some guys come from way down on the depth chart. Alvin Kamara came out of nowhere and David Johnson came out of nowhere. It's hard to predict that. But we can look at it and say, why can't Tyler – like? Cordero Patterson at 32 years old is not going to get 250 carries. You know, I mean, that would be insanity if he did. But we there's some sort of role there. Like Damian Pierce, there's no reason they wouldn't see what they have. So that's this group to me. And then you get into some of these other guys where it's to me it's less appealing. Like Naheem Hines, Kenneth Game, you know what you're paying for there. Raheem Moster, interesting because of his on-field speed and because of he's always been good. He's just been hurt. Then we talk about another guy, Gus Edwards. Like, that's another floor guy. You look at those two guys back-to-back and Gus Edwards at 51, that's where you really have to understand what you've put together already. If you need some sort of floor, if you have a ton of upside guys, you take Gus Edwards. That guy gives you a floor. Mm -hmm. If your team is already a bunch of floor guys, say you went Mixon, Zeke, now you want that upside and you go for a moster. So choosing between those two guys, to me, isn't a difficult decision if I've mentally prepared myself to construct a roster. And that's why we do all the articles and stuff as well. But, you know, it, it's something that now you can kind of visualize when you're going through. You look at your team and say, I need a Mostert here. I need a Gus Edwards here. It's all interesting to me. A Ty Davis price for the 49ers, that's just the old Shanahan bet. You should bet that. Yeah, another you know, running back will step up. <laughs> exactly. That is just whoever you don't think it's going to be, that's who it's going to be. They drafted him. He was a third round pick, was it, Dave? Ty Davis Price, that's... Uh, it's like that's, wasting draft capital on running backs. Basically. You never know. And then way down here, J.D. McKissick. We talked about why we like Gibson, but there's a flip side to that. Maybe they want to continue using McKissick the way they have. McKissick scored 9.7 points per game last year. Tony Pollard scored 9.1. Damian Harris scored 9. Like, just outright last year in the games he was healthy, J.D. McKissick was better than Tony Pollard. He was better than Damian Harris. Those guys are going. We're talking those guys go RB. 30 and 31, Damian Harris and Tony Pollard, Jaden McKesson going RB 57, 100 picks later. Yeah. So that it's like certain players earlier, even if we don't love Jaden McKissick, if Jaden McKissick was going where Tony Pollard was going, we wouldn't love him either. But at 57, why not? The only other guy that I, I feel, and there's maybe there's some others for you, just because you mentioned the Alvin Kamara issue before, Mark Ingram is still there in New Orleans. He, he actually looked pretty good last year when given some opportunity. I think Ingram going off at RB64, if you draft him now and we find out that Alvin Kamara suspended for the season because he broke that dude's face in Las Vegas, well, you got yourself like an RB1 with some touchdown upside and even some pass catching upside a little bit as well, like this deep in drafts. You talk a lot about taking chances on guys now, get before the news comes in because... As soon as Alvin Kamara's news comes down, Mark Ingram's ADP shoots up 
five rounds. If, you, if you're taking a stab at a guy with your last pick or Ingram for me, well, what are some other guys that are on your radar? Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned Mark Ingram. I'll throw a name out there, Keontae Ingram. This is a rookie for the Cardinals. Behind, James Conner, who we've already said has never played a full season. They have Eno Benjamin, who people really liked until the draft came where he fell way down in the draft, and then he had opportunities with injuries to Connor and Chase Edmonds to do something. He didn't really do anything. If I'm going to, like I said, it's, impo- it's impossible to pick who's going to be the next David Johnson, but I can't help but picture this guy on the same team as David Johnson, late draft capital. Maybe he goes out, returns a kick, and they give him a little work. That could be a situation that's nice. Beyond that, we're, ta- this is, we're talking RB, Mark Ingram, RB64. You said maybe your last pick. That's where we're at in the draft. It's 12 teams. 18 rounds we're at a two pick 200 now this is your last pick if you really are looking for uh, you still still need a little bit like safe floor you just want to pick your last guy a running back that that could crack a lineup why not james white and kenyon drake we talked about the erhard perkins system and how the patriots haven't had two bad we haven't had a single running back that's gotten over 200 carries and over 35 catches since Curtis Martin and Robert Edwards in the 90s. that Pete Carroll was the coach then. So we know it's split. James White last year before he got hurt had six receptions in both the first two games of the season. And the third game he got hurt, so he didn't catch any passes. Before James White got hurt in that game, he had caught a pass in every single game going back to the Raiders game in 2017. That's 58 straight games where he's caught a pass. So in terms of a guy that – in in, in in 50, it was like 58 straight games and something like 47 of them, he caught multiple passes. So we're talking about a guy that if you're looking for that dude that can just slot into your lineup every once in a while and give you a floor, that's James White. Like the dude that had Trey Sermon last year that we talked about, if he had a, guy, a healthy James White, that's a guy that would have been in his lineup a bunch of times probably. Right. Uh, Kenyon Drake, again, potentially playing that role on the new team. So that's why I'm a little interested there. The rest of these guys, it's just a lot of stabs, man. It's a lot of I, – like, I don't see why people are drafting Brian Johnson when he's playing with Antonio Gibson and Jane McKissick. What's his role going to be? Those are a couple that I like where I can – in my mind, I can visualize a, a real role or I can just visualize some sort of injury to, to somebody where they come out of the blue. Yeah, I mean that's basically what you're doing down here if you're not drafting a guy that definitely has one. You're trying to draft a guy that could potentially have upside that fills in a spot if an injury occurs to the starter. And that would be the direction you go once we get down to these these final picks. That is a look at the running back position over at Underdog ADP. Again, we'll be the remaining positions in the coming weeks we'll be making updates adps as well be on the lookout for all the content coming out over at fantasy alarm not only just from coop but brett flynn kev tompkins as well whole teams out there uh putting out some fantasy football content for everybody because as they say in the industry coop uh football drives the bus so while we are certainly in the middle of the fantasy baseball season and nhl playoffs and nba playoffs are still going on we're ready we're, we're getting ready to kick off uh hardcore fantasy football content we did a great job with the draft content joey cordelano still putting out his rookie moff draft rankings we'll have uh round three is round one and round two rookie mock drafts are already out make sure you check those out as well and, and just keep being on the lookout uh, projections are updated adps are being updated all the tools for you right are available so there's no better time to kind of jump in there 
uh, and take advantage of what we got going on. You can also go ahead and, and pre-order the draft guide as well that we have happening. If you go to uh, fanslarm.com slash NFL draft guide, I believe it is. Uh, you can early early order the, uh, the draft guide and get yourself ready uh, for the upcoming season. Pre-order the NFL package as well. With that, you get not only the NFL DFS content, the NFL seasonal content, but you're also getting uh, the MLB Pro package for free there as well so it's all available to you uh, right now make sure you go ahead and check that out and come join the family if you're not already part yeah absolutely i mean we're this draft guide this year i'm so excited for it we're bringing a lot because people love the the tight end series they love what we do there we're bringing a lot of those concepts to different positions we're doing a lot of things new this year that it's gonna it's things that you're not gonna get anywhere else and it's a living draft guide so when we say pre-order it's not like you're pre-ordering a magazine and then it's just going to show up at your house when that comes out. When you pre-order the draft guide, that just means you sign up for it and we have live rolling content that when it opens is coming at you every single day, new content every day, and it's a beautiful thing. So it's basically just getting yourself a membership and potentially at a little bit of a discount, which is when we roll those out. So keep, keep an eye out for that. Rolling out through our Twitter accounts, through uh, Fantasy Alarm Twitter account. And, uh, and jump in there on any discount you can early because we do them early. And then after that, it's when everybody's looking for it in August, it's got to be full price. So yeah. make sure you get in early. Yeah. Okay. I got the full deal now that I'm done stumbling over my words. It's fan, it's DFS alarm or fantasy alarm, whatever one you want slash NFL pro. And then you use promo code NFL pro at checkout. You save 30% off the price that knocks it down to one thirty eight fifty for the entire season, both DFS content, seasonal content. You also get the MML DFS Playbook Pro package for free. That was a $200 value. You also get access to the NFL Draft Guide and the NFL Cheat Sheets. That's the best deal that we got going on right now. For $138, you get the MLB package, you get the NFL package, you get the NFL Draft, NFL Pro, NFL Pro is the promo code to use there. So definitely check it out. Get Coop and I on Twitter. If you're not already following us, I'm sure you are. You got what, at Coupe Fiasco for Andrew. You got Jay and Pemba 777 for myself. And then you can always find us in the Discord. We have the premium Discord for subscribers. If you are subscribed and not yet in the Discord, go to your profile at Fantasy Alarm or at DFS Alarm. Hit the connect button in your profile and make sure you join that as well. Coop, any final thoughts for those listening at home? Man, I think you covered it, dude. Just speaks to that. We got a lot going on, man. It's going to be a big year, and I'm pumped for our members. And maybe this year, instead of our members, who always seem to win the million-dollar prizes and the quarter-million-dollar prizes, maybe I'll win this year, John. What do you think? That would be great. That would be great if we, if you and I could both take home a million, become millionaires this year. That would be a, that'd be fantastic. So Like Millionaire Mike last year. Yeah, dude. Millionaire Mike won it last year. I'm sure he'll be looking to do it again this season as well. So that wraps it up, everybody. We'll catch you all later.